Welcome to Sermons from the Edge, a ministry of the Edge Church in Winona, Minnesota. A place where it's okay to not be okay. Where you can come and you belong just as you are, no matter what you're facing. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. So I hope you brought your Bibles today. I brought mine. I had to get the bigger one out because apparently I now need glasses. That's been a new thing over the last month. So if I stumble over the words, that's why. So welcome to The Edge. I'm Sean Finnegan. I've, uh, thanks, Brad. Brad knows me. I love having that encouragement. Look at that. In uh, 1028. Okay. So this is not the dream part. I'm here. My pants are on. You're here. Everybody's good. This is the real deal now. So I'm going to try to settle down here a little bit, and we can, we can get on with some word and a message from the Lord. I had a really cool experience this week. You know, when you, when you, when you search and you're looking for what is it that I, you know, need to talk about, Chuck, he had an outline. We're working through the, the life and the, of, and, and, uh, of King David. We're in 1 Samuel chapters 22 today, and sometimes, at least in my prep, I've been looking through, and sometimes I'll go grab a sermon about what somebody else had to say about David. And the one that was really interesting to me, not, and, and, I'm, and it just really secured what it is the church needs to hear at the time that we need to hear it by the people that apparently are supposed to deliver it. And that was this one for me, First um, Samuel 21-22. It's one of those things where I went to search, and I actually was kind of just saying, well, King, life of King David and looking through my app and just thinking, well, this one actually looks more interesting. It's hard to follow Christ. It's hard to follow and be a believer. And I looked at that, and wouldn't you know it, it's actually about 1 Samuel 21 and 22. <laughs> so I've gotten the extra experience on that today. But the, uh, so we're going to start there, and uh, you might want to just earmark or put a finger or the little bookmark in Psalms because we're going to be bouncing back and forth a little bit. Just a heads up now. So we've got, we'll just start in 21. And remember, this is an epic tale, right? David's on the run. He's left. He's now confirmed that, but through Jonathan, Saul is definitely not okay with David, right? He's tried to kill him twice. He's out on the run. Uh, Jonathan now is convinced as well. Say, you know, see ya. You gotta go (laughs) if you want to live. And I think that this tale or tale story—it's—it's it's an epic tale uh, that you know Amazon original series would create, because it's David here is fully human, and and the, all the and people involved are fully human, and you can see this. And if, you, if, we, if we work through it, you're going to see alliances made, you're going to see betrayal, you're going to see those things where, like, if you could watch it, if you were watching it on your screen, you'd be like, "Well, who's that guy?" And then, boom, here he shows up again. There's another character, um, and it's not good. We're going to learn about that today. So first, David 21. David went to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech, when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech, the priest. The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, Any ordinary bread on hand, however, there is some consecrated bread here. 
There is <clears throat> provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual. However, I set out the men's things are even are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread. Since there was no bread there, there except the bread of the presence that had been removed for the Lord had replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doag, the Edomite, Saul's head shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's business was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. All right. So we got through all of this transition. He stops at Nob and David says, Hey, you can help me out. Right? You've, I need some bread. I need, some, need a sword. You can just imagine the panic. Like again, back to, the, back to the Amazon series. People running in like, we need food. We need water. We need swords. Get out. Get, we got, we're on the run. Right? We need to be prepared. But he does it in such a way here that he's lying. Right? He points out, he says, well, I'm on a mission for the king. And, and there's a little hint there in the very first Verse, Ahimelech says, why are you, Ahimelech met him and asked, why are you here alone? So he knows something's up. Priest Ahimelech is like, no, oh, this is not the way this is supposed to go. What is going on? We have got something here. And then because David started out with this lie, oh, I'm on king's business, very important. And so are my men. And it's so urgent that we just had to leave. He just starts weaving in and embellishing, right? I have no weapons. We've all, been, we've all been preserved from women. It's like, so there's things here, right, that if you sit back, you go, wait a minute, if they didn't know they were leaving, how do we know that they're ready? You know, <laughs> if they've been kept from women, how can they have this bread? And it's the introduction of Doeg. Doeg is very interesting. Uh, we had the, the blessing weeks ago. Tim says, look at the names. The names all mean something. So I had to look that one up, Tim. So Doeg means feared. Feared. So we, will, we, will, uh, we meet this individual. We don't know much about him other than he was detained there on behalf of the king, and he's the king's head herdsman. So he's an official of some sort of capacity, being able to participate. And when I was trying to research that detained part. Detained means he was there because he had to be then made holy again. There's something going on with Doag that we don't know, but he's there because, you know, kind of like priestly detention. You need to go get, go get purified again before you can come back into service. So we'll continue on. So this, this web of lies that David is now starting to weave and he's moving on and he's getting his provisions and he's providing for himself anyway, but under this guise where he's now kind of brought people into his, his issue, right? The priest of Himalek. And I believe that if when you take a look at this, we're going to um, David at Gath, I wanted you to watch and pay the provision God makes for David. So 
verse 10, That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. So again, that, that hit song's playing on the radio in the background. They know, hey, this one's about this guy. And it's, it's time to, we recognize him. And again, David tells you, he had gluttony. It's like none, none other like it. Whether because it's a giant sword. You know, I don't know how it may have looked on David. Maybe sticking out both sides or off his back. <laughs> so there's something very obvious where the, uh, people know him. Because this isn't the, you know, today, what? You're going to have a meeting or if you want to check somebody out, what do you do? Maybe Google, right? Google, Facebook. What's his LinkedIn profile say? This is David, right? Here's my LinkedIn profile, Goliath's sword. I'm ready to take on an army, right? David took these words to heart, though, and and very much he became afraid of Achish, king of Gath, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, Look at the man, he is insane. Why bring him to me? Don't I have enough madman that you have here that to bring this fellow to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? He sends him away. Now this is the king... That was over Goliath. This is the king that have every motivation because he know maybe he knows. Hey, this guy's on the outs with Saul, so maybe I can use that to my advantage, or maybe he could just out of retribution. You killed my giant, and you're in my hands in my courtyard. I think it might just be time for David to disappear, but he doesn't. Somehow he just there's a there's this moment, and I believe that God provides even in David's. David's timing here, when he realized, he gives that realization, and that, that speaking moment of like, better get out of there. <laughs> Start acting crazy. Do what you need to do. We've seen this too. Back again, if you're the writer for that epic tale, all right, David walks into the king's court of the rival gang. You know, it's the rival gang. And he's like, I don't think you are where you think you should be because I don't know. No, we've got a... We've got a debt to settle with you, right? And he goes and he runs, runs away. And so that brings us to chapter 22, Samuel. And so that's, uh, it's just an interesting set of passages. And then I just want to take a moment to, to take a look at that. First off, do we see any mention that God actually spoke to David or made him change his mind? We don't. That's me putting that in there. He... So there's some sort of realization. Second, not once in this series, chapter 21, do we have any reference to David's God's heart. He's just on the run. I'm out. I've been anointed. That's not going so well. I've almost been killed in my bed. My wife was kind enough to like go against dad, get out. You know, I don't know. Talk about, a, talk about an in-law relationship you don't want to have, right? <laughs> And so he's, he's going, but we don't know whether he's doing that within God's, within God's blessing. We know that God can turn anything to his good, but we are, I'm given the distinct impression here that at least David, I believe, is acting on his own out of, out of desperation, right? Settle that down in your heart. Think about if you knew somebody's coming after your life, 
They've already tried it a couple of times. They have all the money, they have all the resources, and they have all the connections to make it happen. So you might be a little desperate too. Lying to save yourself, which is a whole other class, you know, ethics and lying for honorable purposes, whether or not that's allowed. You know, I always find that interesting. You find those, those debates and they're always like, well, if you knew they were a Nazi and you could get away with it, would you lie to save millions, right? You hear that. But it's, uh, I don't think any of us really know when we're weaving a web of self-interest and desperation and fear and escape that you're trying to look for. So we're going to move on to 22 then. David at Adullam. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When, he, when his brothers and his followers heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Just pause there. This time of period, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, you might have caught that Pastor Tyler said, it's believed he's on the run 7 to 11 years from this time period. David being in the cave alone, scholars say, hey, it could have been as many as fears in that cave. And we've got to think about this. This is, word is going to be slow to get around. You have to go through couriers. It's all, it's all personal message. Everything's got to travel across land. So when we hear that when we were looking at some of this, we have to really pause and think about what happens. This is where I, this is where I can love the Bible and the Bible is so frustrating at the same time. That passage just evaporated four years potentially. Like just, oh, no big deal. One sentence. <laughs> one, one little sentence here. Take that. Make sure you understand it. Think on that. But it's re- that's, that's going to be some of the frustration of reading, can it? Where you, you're like, wait a minute, I missed that, and I don't, now I have to spend time really thinking about that. And can it just be easier sometimes? Just tell me. Just tell me what it is. And from there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, would you let your father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. Now we know that he was in a cave, and we know that David wrote some of the Psalms. We need to know that David wrote some of the Psalms in the cave. <laughs> uh, and there, you know, he's an artist. He's a songwriter. I don't know what... We, we, we would think that maybe this artistic ability, this worship, this time with the Lord would very much be part of his way of finding peace in that cave. And so I ask you, you know, when we think about what's in that cave and what's going on there, the, uh, we think of a cave, what is it? It's typically dark, pretty, pretty wet, maybe cold. Maybe not a whole lot of sustenance. Not very pretty to look at. Maybe maybe it is momentarily, but dark. But I mean, for the parts that you can see. But there's also an element here where you where you have to realize and acknowledge. Although it's a palace that David's sitting in any longer, and it's not his father's house. We are talking about a shepherd who was out in the fields. We're talking about a hardened man who's been out on military campaigns, probably just as happy, in some respects, sitting by the fire, out in the open knowing and finding that solitude and worship time with God and having that peaceful evening. 
We know that God provides him a shelter and protection, though. And somehow in his great creation, God's created caves to be temperate. So he's, he's sheltered from extreme heat and cold. So I think even though we may find an, or read some of that and think and put things into it of our own comfort, there is provision there. It's not the provision maybe he was seeking. Certainly not the provision anybody wants to know. He might probably felt like I'm here in jail, essentially, not being able to get out, not being able to do what I want, roam where I want to go, because I have this burden that comes along with being David, with the anointing, with a sword on his back. So let's turn to Psalm 142. This week, while David was there in the cave, well, scholars know they were written. I'm not, I just take their word for it. (laughs) And he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way in the path where I walk. Men have hidden for me. Look to my right and see no one is there. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will get me, because of your goodness to me. He's saying right there, the righteous will come to him. We, we just learned in, in the first four verses of chapter 22, the discontented came to him. The, the, the people that were potentially, I don't know, sick of Saul and what he was doing with the kingdom, trying to find David. We don't know what, everything that's going on there. Who, all sorts of people show up and, and become part of David's camp in the, in, in the cave. 400 men were with him. Can't imagine what other kind of displaced families that might also have included and other support people. I mean, David had his family there, other people just looking for resources, looking for a refuge, and start flocking to David for leadership. Right? So here's a here's an anointed king that's not a king yet, and people are coming to him to say, lead us. And there's an interesting just a side note here. He goes and takes his family to Moab. Moab, uh, David's great-grandmother was from Moab, was a Moabite. So there's some family connection there. Maybe there's just some, uh, another resource that as you look at how God provides and what's in God's providence of, of the things that can be made when you're looking for it, you will learn to believe that there are no coincidences, that, that God's knit this world together, this spiritual place of a world um, that we get to feel there's plenty of material here but it it's god's god's place for us for now you've been listening to a sermon from the edge a ministry of the edge church in winona minnesota if the lord has spoken to your heart through this message we would love to hear about it contact information is available at winonaedge.org thanks for listening